daddy gonna stay in school and, and graduate. You're gonna die, Klaus! You can do it! Captain Insano shows no mercy. You can do it! I love my mama very much. Now you know that. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Hello, and welcome to The Sandler Pit, the podcast that wipes its own ass. God, I have no idea. Is this the baby on Funny People? No, it's uh, Julian, your favourite child actor from uh, Big Daddy. I wipe my own ass! That's probably why I didn't recognise it, because you weren't doing that horrible grating voice. Uh, How are you this week, Luke? Yeah, I'm all right. I am um, ready for a bit of a serious one this week, I think. I think we've had enough gross-out comedies. I think it's time to switch gear and go for a bit more of a serious one. Yeah, we're going to pull in the reins Yeah, over this podcast. How are you? I'm very, very well. We've had a bit of a run, like you said, of kind of liking things and things have been quite positive. Yeah. So we're going a bit of a darker route. Uh, so this is the Sandler pit where we watch every Adam Sandler film. I'm Luke, he's Luke. This week we're going to be watching... Rain Over Me. Yes. What What is Rain Over Me, Luke? So Rain Over Me is a lot more serious than most of the other Adam Sandler films that we've been watching. I think I would say it's, it is a straight up drama, to be honest. I think there's a few like nice buddy moments in it and whatever, but it's a lot more of a serious tone than, you know, Click or The Animal. It's a film where Adam Sandler plays a very like restrained role. He's very sort of calm, quiet and a bit sort of, erratic but not Adam Sandler style of erratic he's playing against type basically and it's because he's a a widower because he lost his family in the 9-11 attacks on the uh the world trade building so yeah um yeah he lost his family and he's basically a guy whose grief has like forced him to go into his shell and then he befriends a guy played by Don Cheadle who brings him back to the world I guess yeah it Looks a bit like from the posters. What's that film with Jamie Foxx and Robert Downey Jr.? Hang on, let me have a quick check. But like, you know, one of those serious buddy films where one person's like the straight man and then the other is like a really troubled, sad character. And it's like just really sad. The soloist. Right. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. That's really sad as well. It's like, I think Jamie Foxx is homeless and then Robert Downey Jr. like meets and befriends him. And he's really good at playing like the cello or something like that. Okay. But yeah, yeah. very different from our usual. I was getting like, uh, I mean, I've seen it already, but I was looking at the poster and it was making me think of like a Goodwill Hunting type film, I guess. I never even heard of this film until you mentioned it. I think I might have mentioned that in the last week's Mm. episode. But yeah, this is a bit of a mystery to me. I have no idea how I'm going to feel, but the premise is so sad. That's one of the most tragic premises I've ever heard of a film. I think this film flopped when it came out. I think because the trailers didn't have any jokes and all that. So people probably saw Adam Sandler and kind of wrote it off, I guess. It is technically a Happy Madison film, but I think it's just one of their ones that didn't make back loads of money compared to their other ones, which is a shame yeah. because it's got, it's got good reviews. It's um, on IMDb, for example, it's 7.4, which is, I think, the same as Punch Drunk Love, but no one really talks about this one in the same sense. Yeah, like I hear Punch Drunk Love spoken about quite a lot, but then this one is kind of uh, flown over the radar. So yeah, I'm quite excited to to watch it. Are we going to do a Sandler scale this week? Because this 
doesn't seem right. <laughs> like we can't do no. poo and I guess with this we have to try and be quite like sensitive, you know, <laughs> compared to our usual thing because basically we usually have a list of Adam Sandler's tropes called the Sandler scale and that is usually as you say like poo racial jokes stuff like that bad stuff that might make you cringe some of it's yeah. good some of it's bad usually we make that into a bingo sheet and we sit there and play along with the film and then we come back and see who got a line first and whatever in this one i think the chances of us getting rob schneider falls off of a bridge or anything like that or, like, or a donkey getting injured or like i don't yeah. know reference to weed i can't imagine this hitting any of them i think i might sit there with the whole scale and if anything happens, I might just give it a tick. All really? 60 of them. Yeah. Should we do that? This is, yeah, because this is too... Like, we can't just do a bingo randomizer because we'll never get anything. Like, I reckon there'll be one thing, two yeah. things. It is going to be a, a bit of a different episode from our usual ones, I guess, because Adam Sandler is fully playing against type as well. When you see him, you'll be like, "That's yeah, that's not what we're used to seeing from him. Yeah. There's a good chance he might still do the stuff like Sandler screams and whatever, because he's, mm. you know, he's, he's playing a character that's struggling with grief and whatever, but very different from our usual thing. And usually when we watch these films, which we refer to as Sadlers, so that's so far, I think Sadler. so far that's only been Punch Drunk Love. Just Punch Drunk Love so far, but yeah. The Cobbler was close, and I think Funny People was also quite close, because they're both quite serious in some I think we way. didn't expect The Cobbler to be a Sadler. And yeah, it was. I thought it was a comedy. Funny people definitely was a saddler. Yeah, quite a bit of comedy. But whenever we watch a saddler, we have a game which we call uh, Make Mine Madison, yep. where we try and take that plot and make it a silly Happy Madison comedy. So with Punch Drunk Love, we turn that into Pudding Boy. I don't remember anything that we said. It was like uh, it was like a silly romp where Adam Sandler was romp, like this. Yeah quirky man who just kept like hoarding puddings what is it we aim to make the highbrow lowbrow and make the art house into fart house (laughs) (laughs) i think the chances of that in this without it being offensive we're gonna have to remove a big aspect which is everything that's like real world yeah let's get rid of the real world tragedy and then turn it into i don't know we'll we'll be able to turn this into a comedy get rid of everything yeah just take the characters or something I'm very intrigued to revisit this because I do remember thinking it was a very good film. How about you? What are your expectations? You know what? This is the first time where I'm actually excited to watch it, but dreading discussing it. (laughs) Yeah. It's just going to be quite sad, I reckon. Where were you when 9-11 happened? I was in primary school. I remember coming home and like seeing it all on the TV and not really... I mean, we were both of us would be six years old. Yeah. I remember seeing it and being like, what the hell? I was really fuming because I was I was going to my mum. I was like, I want to watch like Mona the Vampire or Arthur or whatever was on at that era. I was like, I'll oh, put that on. Turn this yeah. stupid film off. And my mum was like crying. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I just didn't get it until like um I think a few years later. Yeah. Oh yeah. We were way yeah. too young to we sort way of understand. Too young, yeah. Pre-COVID, that's like the biggest thing to happen in our lifetime for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it happened right at the start of the like 21st century, I think that's probably. Yeah, definitely a huge defining thing. Mm-hmm. Bloody hell, we're not really the people to talk about the, no. these we're gonna miss, like, the fart world joke. tragedies, aren't we? Fucking hell. Yeah. Let's just go and watch it and see what we think, I suppose. So grab the entire Sandler scale. Yeah. Grab a, a book on how to deal with grief. Grab a box of tissues, probably. Because mm-hmm. we're going to watch uh, Rain Over Me. Make yourself a tea and get settled in. And we'll see you back here for a discussion of Rain Over Me. See you soon. Listening to the Sandler Pit.
Hey, Charlie. It's Alan, man. We know each other? Are you kidding me? We were college roommates? Yeah, you slept naked most nights. And we are back. We've just finished watching Rain Over Me, uh, Adam Sandler's film from, I want to say 2007, was it? Yeah, um, 2007. Yeah, 2007. Um, starring himself and Don Cheadle. Luke, can you tell us a bit about the story of this film? Of I think course. I got it wrong in the <laughs> intro. I think I said that Don Cheadle was a psychiatrist. Yeah, you did. He's definitely not. And he's not, and he's really not, and he, he needs help. They more than saying that, but I don't know what he really needed help with. He's an idiot. Through and through. I'll get into that in a minute. All right. But Don Cheadle is a, is a dentist, and he's got a wife and I think two children. He lives in New York. And then on his... Oh, and he also has a stalker that plays a big part later. On his way home, he sees Charlie Feynman, his college roommate, played by Adam Sandler. And you can tell he's in a bad way because he's got long hair and big headphones on. Yeah, and only someone fucking insane would have that, that combo of long hair and big headphones. Isn't that right, Luke Terry? Well, yeah, I'm sure you would too if you couldn't help being bald. You look like Charlie. <laughs> oh, you got me there. That's actually good. You keep that in. Yeah, I was inspired by Charlie Feynman's hair. That's why thing, I yeah. just let mine let mine grow out. He can just be himself. Because my damn receding hairline, I'll never be a Charlie Feynman, even if I have a breakdown. You look a bit like him at the moment, wild hair. And he's riding around on this little electric scooter with his big headphones on. Then he ends up meeting him again. I think he tries to find him. And then they become pals. And it's kind of mainly about Don Cheadle trying to get help for his friend and kind of learning more about Charlie Feynman. And he's really tragic. Like I think we mentioned up top how tragic his backstory is. Like he lost his three children and his wife and his dog in one of the planes in 9/11. One of the saddest premises, definitely for this. It's very sad, films, yeah. But yeah, a real tonal shift from all our other ones, isn't it? What the whiplash from going from watching the hot chick, watching Rob Schneider smack a woman into a bloody wall with a pillow. This is uh, baffling. What did you Be a choice for us to do this film after the hot chick. Very weird, yeah. But it had to happen at some point. What did you think? So, yeah, watching it, it it feels weird to be talking about a film like this on our podcast that's mostly about, like, the crazy things that Mm. Adam Sandler does in, like, his Happy Madison-style films. And this is one of those Madison 23 ones. We've we've spoken a bit bit about it already, where it was, like, an extra part of Happy Madison where they did more serious films. It was only this and funny people, right? And then they'd made no money, so they stopped doing them. Which is a shame because watching this film, I did, I quite liked it for the most part. And um, I feel like this and Funny People both have a similar thing where it's like, at least they have a little bit of something to say about like the human experience and whatever. Funny People obviously explored like the complications of old relationships and regret. This sort of explored how people can deal with grief and sort of a bit more about like mental health. Maybe not always totally successfully especially with the uh the character that stalks don Cheadle's character alan because we'll that's that storyline yeah i think i think that's the standout for like strangeness and it sort of has that thing where we've said quite a few times oh why is this happening in this film like it mm. makes no sense and there's a part later on when that lady who stalks him turns up at the courthouse at the end for for the big finale court case which we see in every Adam Sandler film. I wrote down in that bit, why where's the little kid? Where's the <laughs> we <laughs> where's need Rob to Schneider? Add, we need to add court case to our Sandler <laughs> no. scale because it happens in like anger <laughs> management. All, all of them, all of them have court cases. But yeah, yeah, for the most part, I quite liked the sort of 
semi-chemistry between Don Cheadle and Adam Sandler. And I find Don Cheadle is just one of those guys that I just kind of, I just kind of like him as an actor, I think. I think he's quite easy to watch, even in The Avengers, for example. He's quite an annoying character in those, but I do I always quite like him. I think he's got something of a good presence. And I'm yeah. glad that the film follows him more than Adam Sandler, I think. Because Adam Sandler's character... Obviously, he's got all this tragedy, but he's quite hard to watch because he's quite uncomfortable in it. He's very awkward. And the grief has basically made him like, would you say, regress into revert into like basically how he was in his teens, I guess. I think he's pretty much the same person as when um, him and Don Cheadle went to dental school together, I think it is. Yeah, he's pretty much become that. Yeah, this film was a weird one for me. I think I, I liked it's insane because it goes from like really being very profound and really interesting and really sad and, and good really really good to suddenly just doing a huge misstep and misfire and what i'm gonna blame it on is every single side character every mm. single one all terrible Liv tyler is in this as a psychiatrist and she's shockingly bad in this and i really like Liv tyler but she's terrible in this really bad there's the stalk we mentioned she was really bad the parents of his deceased wife they're terrible and there is this weird because what i thought it would be would be don Cheadle being like he's happy and he's sad that adam sandler's not happy the plot is basically that don Cheadle wishes his family were dead like subconsciously he he wishes he was in that situation so he could like it's interesting but it is a bit weird and dark and because that I didn't like Don Cheadle's character at all because he just all he did was whine about his perfect life to a man who's got this horribly sad life and he's moaning because his wife won't let him go out and hang out with his friends till five in the fucking morning or whatever I feel like we've watched different films to be honest I think for me the (laughs) problem was that I, I agree side characters I think there was just maybe one or two too many I don't think they were particularly bad I think Liv Tyler's character was very 2D she was just very serious I'm a very serious psychiatrist and I think because there was a whole thing about her being young she was trying to prove that she could be serious too but like her character isn't developed enough for you to say she's bad I don't I don't think there was anything particularly bad about it the two um parents come across a bit there's something just a bit odd they're kind of like the villains in some weird way but they just talk to Charlie who's basically pushing them away but to like quite a comical like level of of pushing someone away, like he's putting headphones on and like screaming. I, but I don't get away. why they were ended up framed as the villains. It was yeah, weird. There's like, a really like surreal scene when you first see them and they're like coming down the street and you think they're like trying to kill him or something. And Adam Sandler's got this odd landlady who protects him, who's called like Adele Adele, the landlady. She was she was good actually. I liked it. Talking <laughs> about side characters, she was all right. Yeah, she like calls the woman like a crazy bitch. The woman who's like daughter and granddaughters have died in 9 11 yeah she's like calling him a crazy bitch um, just because she wants to talk to her son-in-law i don't know with the don Cheadle stuff i feel like basically when he comes out at the end there's like a moment when charlie feynman's been in a mental institute for a few days and then he's got a court case coming up and he still won't open up about his problems and then um don Cheadle sort of uses his lesser problems to sort of coax charlie into talking that was how i saw it I didn't see it yeah. that he was jealous of that. I think he he wanted some form of escapism, which I kind of get as like a middle age. His mum lives with him and his dad and stuff. I know his dad dies, but like you can understand all like the mundane aspects of someone's life and then seeing someone who's being like a weird freewheeling guy. I understood that side of it. I but... get the I get what they were going for that. Yeah, it's trying to show like a guy going kind of through a midlife crisis. But because of that, I just couldn't 
I didn't give a shit about whatever he oh, was really? saying. I thought that that whole side of things was a bit unnecessary, if anything. Like, they keep on saying that he really needs to speak to a psychiatrist and all that stuff. And mm. I was like, I don't think they were making his problems explicit enough. The One of the final beats was that, like, oh, I need to open up more to you, he says to his wife, who's played by, mm. I think, Jada Pinkett Smith. And I don't understand what he was opening up about. Me and, me and my fiancé, we watched it together and we both just, like, looked at each other like, that's, like, the resolution, but, like, his problems I... haven't... Forefront, the problems have been Charlie's. Right, it's that's the... necessary to add him having problems. I think the thing I didn't like the most in this film was the resolution. I think if they'd have landed a different ending, I'd have really liked this. But the ending, mm. basically, if you think about it, he gets taken to therapy, doesn't he? Adam Sandler, yeah, and he has a breakdown where he finally because basically the whole film he doesn't talk about his uh, family he pretends they never existed and he always wears headphones to block out any mention of it it's really sad there's a moment where he finally reveals to Alan about them and he describes them and he's crying and it's really uncomfortable to watch he's just him completely breaking down it's one of the best acting I've seen of him probably yeah I think like, it's that, his best acting that scene is is amazing <clears throat> and then he he tries to commit suicide by making a police officer shoot him because he walks out with a gun so that ends up going to court case where they kind of are working out what the best avenue is do is he go get hospitalized or do they just leave him alone resolution is pretty much don't open up <laughs> don't go to therapy and repressing is probably for the best because at the end he's the same and he's not going to carry on maybe with therapy except now he has a woman to go out with I kind of, I no, I don't agree. I think that... Um, I don't get the ending. It's so weird. I, I think with him, it was like they have this huge court case and Donald Sutherland um, keeps like telling the other lawyers to like shut up. And um, yeah. the odd situation because, yeah, they start setting up that relationship, which I think is totally unnecessary. Horrible. He finally talks to the in-laws and he sort of starts to let them in, but then he also runs away from them at the same time. I think they're basically saying it's like, even though it's been a few years since it happened, it's going to be like baby steps till he starts truly like letting people in. But I think the fact that he lets Liv Tyler come into the house and stuff, because we've seen him before, he can only have like two minute conversations with her and then he like leaves the therapy sessions early. I think there was like a bit of a hopeful thing towards it that he was starting to become a bit more of like a talker and there's that motif of the scooter. I mean, you know, I don't that like is, symbolism. You hate stuff. symbolism, don't you? But with that, that one, I kind of thought like at least it plays into the story without being like overly pretentious. I what does I that symbolism mean? Let's, well, I think if we break it down. Like at the start, he's zooming around. He's in his own like bubble, I guess. Um, people can't stop him in the street other than Alan somehow manages to break through it. So there's a scene like halfway through, I think he starts to like look at the news a bit more. And obviously he's been avoiding that by just playing PlayStation all the time. But he watches the news and sees some stuff about, I think it's about like Baghdad or something. I can't remember. You see, he sees something and they keep mentioning like terrorists and he's probably not heard that word, you know, for years or whatever. You see him walk to a shop rather than take the scooter. So he's like letting the world in a bit more. And then I think, but then it gets too much for him again. So then he gets back on the scooter. And then at the end we see him give up the scooter. Give up the scooter. Give it to but Alan instead <laughs> this is it so if you're using it as a motif of blocking out reality and re and regressing or whatever the fact that the film ends with don Cheadle riding off on that isn't that that's a bit dark isn't it or a bit kind of it kind of it. would be if before it he hadn't he has a phone call with his wife he and says he's gonna, like, up, yeah. let her in so i guess there's kind of like 
I guess it's like that they've taught each other stuff, I suppose. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll accept that. But if you if they hadn't had that phone call, you could have read it as, oh, he's yeah. now become like him. He's just oh, like, I yeah, don't want yeah, to fucking live with my wife. I just they've traded to... places and given given uh, Adam Sandler <laughs> a really nice life. I genuinely, mate, I thought that was how it was going to end uh, with him moving into a new place, and that I thought he was going to leave his wife at the end and just ride off as like a bachelor. I think that dynamic and everything is a bit is a bit odd. You say that he's just of Charlie for losing his family in 9-11 but at the same time like Jada Pinkett Smith's character is jealous of Charlie because Alan's hanging out with him all the time it's kind I, of a weird I didn't I, like Jada Pinkett Smith's character at all because it was a, it was just a, a nagging wife character yeah. it was like an archetype there was no depth to it whatsoever it, right so let's talk about the woman I can't remember her name I don't yeah. know the actor's name I don't know the character that's um, the that's the weirdest storyline I think worst storyline she is a patient of Dr. Alan Johnston, played by Saffron Burrow. She plays Donna. Um, she comes in and she's like, oh, I've seen you in the elevator. I really fancy you. And he's like, oh, I'm married. But probably isn't enough like, I'm married. This is massively unprofessional. Bring in someone else to witness because it turns out that then because he gets rid of her, she then files a sexual harassment suit against the company this whole plot line didn't make any fucking sense because it's, it's a like very mike, weird plot line isn't it mike from breaking bad is like i think don Cheadle's boss or partner and he's like we can't afford this can you resolve it on your own is that the legal proceedings of a, a business is telling them to de- have a one-on-one with the person accusing you of sexual harassment yeah, make that it, doesn't make it go away but doesn't sound right at all it doesn't um, but you've got to think all these things that have come out in the last few years would it surprise you if something like this did really happen maybe i'm being naive but i assume yeah. there would be like a more a, a procedure with that but you'd hope just pay- so but it does things like that do get covered up and like swept under the rug yeah you're actually it's right. an odd it is an odd story you also don't way, like though. it then he brings her into the office her whole thing is that she's saying that she wants to give him a blowjob then she gets on the floor and it and i'm like fuck no what the fuck yeah. and then she's like oh my husband had an affair for years and i had a breakdown this is why i started stalking you and this is why i put a harassment case against you and then it turns out she's a patient with Liv Tyler as well as Charlie. Don Cheadle's horrible. He's like, oh, you need bloody, you need to check on because she's next level crazy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wouldn't you be a bit more considerate because your best pal's like really struggling? Yeah, Maybe. he's worded that badly. At the same time though, rape allegations yeah. could ruin your whole life easily. Yeah. You could lose yeah. a career, you could lose your family. I had quite a weird viewing experience of this film. I watched <laughs> half of this film and then one of my friends was like, oh, I want to watch another film. And we watched The Hunt with Mads Mick and then that's also about the same kind of getting an allegation against you and then mm. everyone hating you so yeah How much it was it a, can fuck everything up yeah i had a very dark, <laughs> dark day i did not enjoy it i was like where the hell is rob schneider Where's yeah the comedy? he's not here thank god the resolution with her is that they kind of set her and adam sandler up because adam sandler said she's really attractive I, I think that's just the worst. I think... Awful. Even at the time, I'm really surprised none of them thought, like, this doesn't make sense. You know, people making the film. You've it's got... a shame because it comes in, as you say, quite a like profound film with some really good scenes. And I just don't think it needed a relationship subplot no. in a film about a guy who's lost his wife. The I guess it kind of shows off. moving on, doesn't it? That he's he's ready to start she's finding another person. Worst. But yeah. She's literally the worst person to move on with. She's obviously really troubled herself and then is also like a stalker and, mm. and sending out wrong allegations and then they're like oh you know what would be good pairing her up who's yeah. a woman who's deeply troubled with another deeply troubled man who pulled out a gun 
done. Also, I, I don't want to sound too conservative or, or whatever, but I think maybe he should be in a facility yeah. being monitored because he pulled a fucking gun he out. He could do a with cop. a bit more help. What's stopping him in a few years? Because at the end, you see, it's not none of his problems have been resolved, really. But what's stopping him in a few years? Again, this anger that you see throughout the film clicking. Mm. And he just attacks someone because he sees like a picture of uh, something that triggers him and then he ends up getting violent. He's a deeply yeah. violent man. I think he definitely does need more help. At the end, though, I feel like there was a bit, it was very brushed over, but I think there was a bit when Liv Tyler was talking to one of the people in the like mental hospital. I think she did say she was going to watch him and still have consultations with him on the outside world or something like that. Yeah, you'd hope that that's what's happening because but yeah, that's he's... what set him off to doing that. Like I feel yeah. like in this film, you know what would have been better if we'd have had this payoff would have been him trying to commit suicide and being caught, and that being the thing that is yeah, like not maybe... putting other people at risk. So, maybe not. Yeah, he goes into the street, pulls a gun, aims it at a taxi driver, then aims it at two police officers, and goes, "Shoot me, shoot me!" But like, if that was in the real world, because of that, he'd either be shot dead, which I was like, oh. He surely he's gonna get killed isn't there no bullets in the gun though isn't that a thing doesn't he like look at the gun and there's no bullets in it oh right okay but even then the fact that he went out aiming yeah. a gun yeah it's would still mean intent he'd get there, isn't imprisoned there? or he'd be put in a facility can i talk about something i really like though in this film like yeah, maybe the on. thing i like the best but it is a bit hokey and maybe you didn't like it <laughs> i i love the um shadow of colossus plot subplot thing so the whole film has charlie playing is it playstation 2 yeah playing shadow of the colossus which i guess i've never played it but it's a game about someone small trying to take on something enormous Mm -hmm. i guess would be the way of looking at it so yeah it's basically this little guy who's i think his wife gets killed and the only way for her to come back to life is if he takes down things like nine giants the symbolism is quite good there i'd say Apparently what they wanted originally in the script, he was playing like a 1980s like uh, arcade game over and over yeah, again. Yeah, like a Tetris or something. So there was an editor who said that there was a guy, his father watched the film Aliens all the time because he was a Vietnam veteran and he saw his experiences reflected in that kind of fiction. Hmm. And then because of that, the guy was like, why don't you use Shadow of the Colossus, like a more recent game and has... Yeah, this kind of thinly veiled, if you're in Charlie's shoes, like watching and being able to destroy this massive thing would be kind of cathartic. And he keeps playing it over and over again. I love that whole plot of, mm-hmm. of that. The fact that at the end as well, he says to Don Cheadle, oh, you, do you want to go? When earlier he was just kind of restricting it to himself. I guess at the time, up until then, they probably weren't using video games thematically as well as, uh, as this. This is yeah. really good, I thought. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess it's good because it also shows him regressing as well in some way because it at that time it was probably seen that only young people mm. would play video games, I suppose. But um, yeah, to have that deeper symbols is pretty good. And also Shadow of the Colossus is a banger. I used to watch this film, obviously, when it first came out. I watched it a couple of times and um, I used to always be like, oh, that looks good. But I don't think I had a console where I could play it on it or something. at that By that point, I think I had like an Xbox. Yeah, and then uh, it came out recently. They remastered it, and it's oh, it's a good game. I might buy it. 
Yeah. <laughs> this, this film has made me want to play it. That will play into when we talk about our sound scale later, I reckon. <laughs> Some product placement that's truly worked on you there. Yeah, I really enjoyed that whole bit. I also mm-hmm. enjoyed the music bits. Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say next. I think the yeah. music was really well handled in this, like making it a part of the story mm-hmm. rather than it just being like Adam Sandler and his friends are going to go down a water slide. Let's play um What's that song called that they always have in all of the films? I don't know, but he always has the same music <laughs> taste, doesn't he? The, yeah. His characters. There's a song that's in all of them. Is it the one that's like... Down, down, da, 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 down. Is, <laughs> do you know the one I mean? It's yeah, I know in every you, single one of the films. He always plays like 70s, 80s uh, music from when mm-hmm. he was younger. Uh, and yeah. here it really works because the character is repressing to being like that age again. Yeah. To get over it. And he's block. he uses music to block out the world and to block out people talking about his wife and kids. And the bit in the courthouse where he's just like rocking back and forth, singing Rain Over Me by um, The Who mm-hmm. it is, is really good. And I like the kitchen, I guess, the kitchen remodeling. And yeah. the reason being that the last time he ever saw his wife, he yelled at her. One of the big things that's playing on his mind is that he never had that last good moment. Yeah, um, so he's trying to like recover it himself, I guess. Yeah, I like that. I think I think the stuff that really works in this is that Adam Sandler has managed to somehow find a way to like organically bring in a lot of his usual <laughs> tropes. That kitchen thing is almost straight out of like 50 first dates, right? Like, you know, changing the house back. It kind of reminded yeah, me of that, yeah. being stuck in that sort of cycle. The music and the singing, we, we see that usually in all of the films, but for the most part, it doesn't really make much sense that he's singing and playing instruments all the time. Like in Funny People, it didn't really mean much. Yeah. Whereas here, it's him getting his rage out or also covering things up. I think it works a lot nicer. I think they do kind of briefly explain, but I was like, what? Why is he so fucking rich? I couldn't... Oh, he got a payout from insurance and from... It it was because he lost all of his family and stuff, wasn't it? They said... Is that what happens if you lose all your family? You become a millionaire? I think they said something about the insurance payout and like the city of New York paid him something and it was... I guess it was because it was like four family paid members and whatever. millions, millions. Yeah. And is that what people in 9 11 who lost family in 9 11, they got millions from the government? Like, I'm, I'm not sure. To be honest. I, was, I was a bit confused as to how he was so rich. How that works. Also. Yeah. But what, whatever. They do, like, they do uh, mention yeah. it, but yeah, it's, you do wonder whether that's accurate. And, his other pal is is Sugarman, right? Who the fuck's he? <laughs> Sorry, he's like. I think he was supposed to be his attorney. Yeah, but they're um, all people that basically like you've got Adam Sandler stuck in this weird cycle of him getting angry and shutting everyone out, and then mm. the only people he interacts with is Sugarman and his landlady, and they're both enabling him to carry on being in this cycle, right? It's only because they're getting money from him. I don't think they are actually interested in his like best interests. I don't know. I like the landlady. She when she gives him the music at the court case when BJ Novak's been a real shit. Like, is that how you'd proceed in a mental health procedure? Very heavy-handed, isn't it? Give all the triggers to this man when he's visibly, visibly Mm. distressed, rocking back and forth, like screaming. Because he's trying to game section, though, isn't he? He's like fully. Yeah, but that's that's like not not all right, is it? You'd get disbarred for doing something like that, and he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, whatever. It's like, fucking hell, you've just given this poor man a mental typical, breakdown. Typical Ryan from The Office behaviour, isn't it? Ryan from The Office, yeah. But yeah, that, even though it was only 13 years ago, you got to think, we spoke about like the sexual harassment side of things being mm. 
quite different to what they would be now but so is so is mental health i suppose yeah the last few years that people have really started to be like quite considerate about that side of things especially with men as well yeah that's fair i guess if it was made now that it'd be a lot more it would be a very different film wouldn't it but uh, yeah i think it's overall pretty good my favorite scene i think is the bit when he's in his house and then there's flashbacks to him walking in the same spot yeah, it's horrible, with his, isn't it, that his family. Part. That was fucking that whole five, ten minutes of him breaking down about his family and then him going to his empty house and mm. seeing what used to be. If that was just a short film in isolation, submit that to the Oscars. Fucking Christ. Yeah, that bit is fucking horrible. It's it's awful and, and it really flashes good. to like um to like a Mr. Deeds style Adam Sandler with yeah, like short was, hair uh, and his yeah. suit, like walking through the house. From behind him as well, isn't it? Yeah, you and don't really like, see him up front. It's done in sort of a way where like it sort of flashes, doesn't it? It'll yeah. flash between him in current time and the past wow. with but the kids are like running around and it's like graphic that, matched pretty well. That's one of the those profound moments that are in this film that mm-hmm. then are just undercut by something a bit stupid or a bit weird, like the court case yeah. I didn't really buy into. Uh, I did like one of the lines that he says when he confronts his parents-in-law, who are his only family, because he's also an orphan, and he's also, all his family are dead, everyone from every side, and he's yeah. all his children and wife. He's very orphan. alone. He's saying, oh, I'm fucked up. I even see the dog around. I look at a German shepherd and I see a goddamn poodle. Yeah. That was a... <laughs> That's quite a funny line as well. It's quite funny, but it's also very sad, isn't it? Really sad. Yeah, the whole film was really difficult to watch because it was very sad. I know you said you didn't really like the in-laws, but I did find their storyline, like, you do feel quite sorry for them because they are just two old people that are trying to, like, they're trying to preserve rather than forget, I suppose. I like the characterisation, I just didn't like the acting. The woman who plays the mother-in-law, like, her reactions to things. So, like, Adam Sandler does the speech, like, I see their faces everywhere I go. I'm sorry, like, I can't, I don't need to carry around pictures because I see them in their faces in people yeah. in the street and it's really sad. And then she goes, ah, ah. Yeah. And I was like, what? Mouth. That's some weird <laughs> reaction. She's Bad over action. the top. They do reference it because then they go to the flat and she looks at the kitchen that he's finally put in and finished. She's like, oh, it's beautiful. The, the family, the kids would have loved this. Oh, she would have really loved this. And then the husband like puts his hand on her shoulder and is just like, it's just the kitchen, sweetie. <laughs> Which I kind of liked him like undercutting it in that sort yeah, of Yeah, I liked that as well. I, I didn't mind him as much, but I thought she wasn't that great. In yeah. fact, they, they were both not that great, really. But I, th- I think they were okay, but they just weren't really in it very much. And I think they're taken from a weird point of view with with the whole villain sort of aspect. It is sort of a, a weird choice to make in a film about a guy yeah. losing everything important to him. I feel like thinking about it, looking at the cast and who I didn't like and did like, I feel like better writing for the female characters would have been better. We've got a stalker. We've got a hand over mouth, breaking down mother-in-law. Yeah. We have a, a nagging wife archetype. And then we have a therapist who's never developed. Those four characters. There's are a couple. The yeah, they're quite stereotypical, and aren't they? You can tell like this was written by a fucking man. <laughs> and stuff yeah. Because all the bloody male characters are really well written. I think that... The best female character, she's only in it very briefly, is Alan's receptionist. Yeah, she's this funny. sarcastic 
woman that's like she like embarrasses the um, stalker lady in front of yeah. like a room full of people she's like oh he doesn't want you anymore he doesn't want you to be a patient here yeah but then also Pro- she might be the one that provokes the, uh, the sexual harassment stuff in some um, you'd just fire her wouldn't you <laughs> She's yeah, horrible. Probably. She's what a horrible person. Like <laughs> horrible to all the patients, horrible to everyone. I like her. I think job. she's good. Yeah, you like her, bloody hell. <laughs> She'd make it an experience, wouldn't she, go in there? And my favourite shot in the film is the bit when um, they start being friends, basically, quite early on. And Alan's sort of being introduced into Charlie's strange world. And there's a bit where they go to a club. Alan's still in like his work suit. And then um, it's a heavy, heavy metal screamo band that charlie drums for and there's this shot of just like all these teenagers like jumping up and down and like screaming and it's really like chaotic adam sandler just drumming in the middle of this group and then the camera like pans around and alan's just sat there at the bar like smiling to himself like this middle-aged man at like a a teenage emo club it's very uh, (laughs) it's a good shot it's pretty funny I think this film's just very of its time, isn't it? There's like an iPod is, classic. Yeah. And for the most part, though, I did enjoy it. And I think that it's good to watch one of these films that's saying something. Uh, right. So a little bit more trivia then. Uh, do you know who was originally meant to be in this film? Or who was yeah. Planned? And I'm actually very glad that it wasn't. I think these two actually do work really well. I know you said you didn't like Don Cheadle's character, but I think his performance is pretty his good. Performance I think is, he sells is it really good, well. Yeah. Was it Javier Bardem and Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise particularly, I would not have liked in this film. He doesn't really do films like that anymore does he he only does ones where he falls off buildings and stuff yeah exactly and i can picture him in the wig i can picture him doing this and i I don't i don't don't think he'd sell it as well no and then also did you notice that everyone had the fucking name ending in man in this film yeah Um, yeah there's like five different people isn't there yeah i'm reading now this Feynman, fishman sugarman timpleman and handleman (laughs) so why (laughs) who is writing this script it's like a kid right (laughs) It's actually Adam Zeller's most normal name, I think. Charlie Feynman. Charlie not, Feynman. Not as weird as his usual ones, is it? I'd rather him be running around like that called, like, <laughs> Skippy Fishhook or something like that. That'd be much better. Skippy Fishhook. <laughs> <laughs> We're putting that in the uh, Big Madison game. I like that. Skippy Fishhook. <laughs> Such a good name. It's like Skeeter Bronson, isn't it? Same sort of level as that. <laughs> yes. Apparently, Adam Sandler declined this part, but then he read the script. He thought it was incredible. So um, I like the fact that this film, he can you see that he's really trying and he really mm. seems to give a shit about it. He's a he's a bit uneven at times, but I think that he was pretty solid in this film. Well, I think that it's got it's got so many of his usual things sort of seeping into it that it does kind of remind you of, you know, his usual Big Daddy-esque sort of shouting, getting angry, that kind of character. But I think the emotional stuff he can play quite well. It's just more of his like mumble and whisper acting that we've seen quite a bit. But I think it does work for the most part, doesn't it? I was going to say the other thing that I noticed in it was that basically there's like a sequence in the middle where they go to a Mel Brooks marathon. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was weird. They show like clips from the films and a lot of the jokes are things that we've just seen Adam Sandler do for like his whole career. There's like a racist joke in that part from Blazing Saddles, like a, oh, the sheriff is at N and then the bell keeps ringing. And then I think there was also... the sheriff is near... Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but there was just a few different gags and I was like, this is where Adam Sandler's got all of his jokes for his whole career and he's like not even hiding it. I don't mind uh, Mel Brooks. I like Young Frankenstein. I'm not a huge fan of Blazing Saddles. I get what they're doing with it, but I think it's not aged as well. But I guess Mm. that it was meant to be kind of subversive. It was taking the piss out of Blazing, but it's not aged as well. But yeah, would anyone though laugh like that? (laughs) 
Yeah, <laughs> no, they're killing themselves. It's so weird. They? They're like slapping their thighs, like crying, laughing. I guess it's supposed, it's supposed to be that they've gone to this like all night marathon. So maybe they're like hysterical because they're watching it at this sort of time. If me and you went to like a ridiculous six <laughs> show in at like 2 a.m., we'd probably be the same. <laughs> I'd love I'd love to be walking through New York at night, going to a cinema with you, watching a Sandler marathon that finishes at 5 a.m. <laughs> and hopefully I wouldn't get the call that he gets after. It's oh, yeah. So horrible. Real. I hated that. More whiplash that his dad's dead. It doesn't really play into too much afterwards. It's just no, more of like a fairly organic way of showing Sandler's like throwing grief to one side and whatever, trying to ignore death, basically. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I guess from his side, Don Cheadle, it didn't really develop him. I thought no, it'd go into his grief, but yeah. it doesn't really do much. I think as a film, compared to some of the others, it's filmed in quite an interesting way. It looks a bit like a documentary and it's all very ground level. We said, I think in like anger management, it looked quite cinematic and they showed a lot of like wide like helicopter shots of New York and whatever. And this, the camera doesn't go high. It's always from their point of view. So it's, I don't know if that's like supposed to be something connected to oh, 9-11 stuff rather than showing the skyline. I think that they always seem to keep the camera low oh, down. That is interesting because in New York, in every film, there's you always see all the buildings, shot. You? Yeah, that's that's a really yeah. good observation. Well done, Lee. And, Bloody <laughs> and like, <laughs> I, I noticed it because there's a bit when Adam Sandler's coming back from the mental hospital back to like the main island, Manhattan. He's going over like the Brooklyn Bridge, I think it is. And yeah, the camera only shows the city from inside the taxi. Every film always has the big panorama of the taxi going over Brooklyn Bridge. I yeah. think that same shot's in Anger Management, right? Yeah, I think that's where they sing I Feel Pretty, isn't I it? I Feel Pretty, yeah. But that was just something I noticed with it. I thought that was quite good. Yeah, I think the technical stuff's all quite interesting with this one. And it does seem a shame that it kind of went under the radar. It came out the same year as The Pursuit of Happiness, though, which is another big, sad film that um, yeah. a lot of people... That was like the big sort of mainstream sad film a lot of guys were talking about at that time. And uh, Will Smith won the Teen Choice Award for drama that Adam Sandler was also nominated for for this film. Oh, <laughs> God. Year, he Teen might have done it. <laughs> Very sad, isn't it? Do you have anything else to say or do you want to go to our gigantic Sandler scale? Let's find out how many of, of the tropes that we've got. Um, I've got the list of the first 50 here. I've yeah. actually written out the ones that I found. You did? Right. Yeah. Well, I'll give it over to you, you then. Take the lead. Our full list is 67 tropes at the moment, and I'm going to add court case onto it and a few others. But as of right now, 67, I managed to find 26. Wow. It is quite heavy, to be fair. I don't think we've mentioned really. This film does have jokes. Yeah, it's not, it's not the most... I was quite surprised. There's like this running joke that Don Cheadle has to get permission to go out from his wife. And there's like oh, a bit no. when Charlie Feynman says it like right in front of the wife. Like, oh, are you allowed hey, to I'm come out? I'm not seven years old. <laughs> yeah, and then he's sort of like looking out the corner of his eye to his wife. I quite liked that. So right, sound the scale. I got beautiful wife. There's a bit where it shows his pre 9-11 wife and I'd say she was quite good looking and we got to remember what Adam Sandler looked like at that time, you know. Also, maybe you could say it for Jada Pinkett Smith because as we say, Alan is a bit of an idiot and he doesn't really do much to keep her around. Product placement, Shadow of the Colossus, I think that's fair. Logo on screen and Sony logo, both in playstation young comedy actor i went for bj novak who's ryan from the office i think this is around the time that the office was kicking off as well i guess nice property alan has a huge home in new york 
like high ceilings and everything. And he's, I think he says that he doesn't get that much money at one point, but like his house is massive. Dream, I put for the sad, like nightmare flashback sort of thing to Charlie's. I'll give you that, yeah. Best friend with nothing in common. I said they both hate each other's music taste. They have quite a lot in common, but they also have like a lot not quite in a common. few differences. Yeah. yeah. Horrible voice. I put the bit when Sandler's scream singing in court. That's quite horrible. It just makes you feel sad. Rain over me. <laughs> but yeah, that also does Sandler scream, shout, and sing all in one. That's quite <laughs> that's quite a big one. I'd have loved if I'd had that as a light. Yeah, could you Don't. imagine? <laughs> <laughs> hit him face there's a bit where he has a fight with the police and they like push him into a column one of the lawyers says something like oh yeah the state aren't going to press charges because um a 9-11 widower getting beaten by the cops doesn't look good fair yeah true. fair true forgotten what's important um he's not a dentist anymore and he's like reverted back to his like teens so i guess he's forgotten a lot maniac villain i've put the rape accusing woman but yeah also ryan from the office a surprise cameo donald sutherland pops up for a few very surprising that that was very surprising misogyny there's a lot of references to Liv tyler having nice tits Reference to Colonel Sanders, we got a big one here. He's Charlie Feynman has a huge statue of he has a huge Colonel statue Sanders. Of him. I wish we'd done the Sandler scale now. I <laughs> yeah, didn't I know. there's actually that... loads. Sideburns and facial hair. He's got like sideburns and stubble. Inexplicable love interest. I put they've got the same psychiatrist and they haven't actually spoken by the time that she's like in his house. Yep. 70s or 80s rock song. His whole record mm. collection's basically that. Genuinely good acting. I put Don Cheadle and Sanders' big scene where he sort of like reveals everything mm. about his past and he's like all snotty. Montage. There's a jamming scene when they play instruments together. They keep like swapping instruments. So I'd say it's a montage. Fast food. There's lots of Chinese takeaway in this. Tragic backstory. Oh, tragic backstory of the film, isn't it? Whole film, yeah, 9-11. So yeah, it's not bad, you know. It's like nearly half of the tropes in there. In, in terms of it being a Sadler, it does kind of have more of the tropes than Punch Drunk Love, Cobbler, Funny People. Because it is still a, a Madison film, like even though it's a serious one, there are still mm. elements that would have been pushed probably into it. So Luke, are you going to let Rain Over Me ride its little scooter into the Sandler castle? Or are you going to pop some headphones on Rain Over Me and let it just drown out all the noise and just sit in the pit forever in despair? Now, this is going to be controversial. But when you think about a film like The Hot Chick, what was that setting out to do? It was trying to be a body swap, silly comedy. It succeeded. It did the comedy parts. Ridiculous Six, what did it try to be? It tried to be a really silly Western throwback. It pretty much succeeded. What is this trying to be? It's trying to be a very heartfelt, deep, tragic drama about the human experience and grief. And I don't think it didn't achieve what it tried to do quite to the extent I'd have liked. A few scenes aside which were very profound and very beautiful. I don't think the payoff is good. I don't think that the film explores its themes consistently enough for me to be like, this is brilliant. Based on this, maybe I'd put it in the pit, but I think there's enough good stuff in here to be like, this. I guess this is Castle Worthy. When we started recording, I was going to say this is the pit for me, <laughs> just because this should have been, like The Hot Chick should have been a, a 2 out of 10 film, and it ended up being a 3 out of 10 film. It exceeded my right. expectations. This should have been a fucking 9 out of 10. It ended up being like a 6 out of 10. So even though this is better than The Hot Chick by far, it fails in what it's trying to do a little bit. But regardless after we've talked it out and the shadow of the colossus stuff and i guess a lot of the themes i think were quite good bit of a tough one but i guess i'm gonna put this in the castle yeah what about you yeah i would would just go castle to be fair because i mean there's definitely problems with it and the things you pointed out i think they're interesting and i i kind of agree and see your point with quite a few sides to it but at the same time when you hear that 
Adam Sandler's doing a 9-11 related film, you would be really like panicky. And this doesn't hit any of those. I don't think it ever feels insincere, to be honest. Like there's a few times where, you know, it's aged very badly and there was a few uncomfortable moments and there's total subplots that I would cut out and it did feel quite a bit long. I think this could have been a perfect hour and 45. Maybe with a few tweaks, it would have, as you say, yeah, it would have reached its full potential. But at the same time, we're quite lucky that in comparison to a lot of the films that we have actually put in the castle... There's a lot more good stuff in this. I think I think the closest point of comparison is maybe Funny People because that has like yeah. tragedy and then a new friendship and whatever. And that film was two and a half hours. And I would say there's maybe about 20 minutes of good stuff in it. Yeah, if Funny People is in the castle, then this definitely is. Yeah, um, it's, it's well. a weird thing we're doing because we were very quick to say like Blended and Ridiculous Six could go in the castle. <laughs> That's it. Like, we have no credibility if we don't let this in, which is a better film. Yeah, this is a much combined. better film. This probably could have been one of those films that people still spoke about, and it, it hasn't become that, which and is it's a shame, because but... of the writing of the female characters. Certain bits, they just don't fulfill their immense potential. This could have been, like, a brilliant film, and it's just a quite good film. It's I would say it's good, and it is worth a watch, and, like, it was good to revisit it. I never want to watch this again, ever. Yeah, I, pro- I probably wouldn't rush to rewatch it, but, like, I've seen it a couple of times and I do like it. I think it was a good use of most of the actors. You know, Adam Sandler does some good work here. And so far, I've not really liked the dramatic films of his that we've watched, to be honest. You know, like Punch Drunk Love, I was a bit iffy on. Hobbler, bad. This, I think he balances being a quirky character with also being someone with tragedy to a decent enough level. I think, though, he's developed as a dramatic actor loads since here because I feel like the ways he did dramatic roles in, like, the 2000s was he'd be pretty much the same as one of his comedy characters, but then he'd do, like, one or two really emotional scenes. Now, like, Uncut Gems, the whole way through, he's brilliant. And Meirowitz's story... I'd say is maybe his best and I can't wait to revisit that. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by that one. Right, so brilliant. It's in the castle uh, where it will be celebrated with the classics like Ridiculous Six and Hot Chick. Hot Chick. (laughs) I think this needs a separate room, maybe like a little padded cell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, We need to stop adding rooms to this fucking castle. I like it. Castles do have a lot of rooms. (laughs) This week, instead of doing a game, we're going to revisit a thing that we did in our punch drunk love episode which is a game called make mine madison mm-hmm. which doesn't work here because this is a happy madison film <clears throat> we but... get rid of the 23 and we're making it happy <laughs> i love that tagline we basically take the premise of the film take what we've got and we change it to turn it into from a saddler to uh a... did we have a phrase for i think it was we're taking it from art house to fart house but this art isn't... house to fart house this isn't an art house film is it it tries to be and we can make <laughs> this a big fart house do you have a title because brain over me is too heavy I think. yeah i have got a title for it I've got I, d- a title I don't too. like it but you, you go first so my one is adam sandler's unstable fable <laughs> that's fucking horrible yeah do you want me to say mine all fine man oh nice that's pretty good so, now so this that doesn't work this, if we call him skippy, Fisher. skippy fishman so maybe we should call it all fish man <laughs> <laughs> i like the idea of because his name's fineman right so my idea of this film is 
Have you ever seen um have you ever seen The Fisher King? No, I've not. Exact same plot of this film, a little bit better though. So it's a guy on radio kind of in, incites a guy to go out and murder some people. Right. And he fucking does. And he goes out and murders loads of people in this restaurant. One of them's Robin Williams' wife, who gets murdered. And right. then Robin Williams becomes a homeless, deranged man who thinks he's on a quest to get these treasure. The this jockey guy like kind of joins him and it's a, so not exactly the same plot then it's a guy who's really <laughs> really badly dealing with grief yeah and repressing and pretending he doesn't exist in the real world joined by an, a guy who feels responsible for him oh, that's okay. really similar hmm. but anyway i feel like that's all too dark this one should be more of a planes trains and automobiles or you me and dupree that classic charlie Feynman or skippy Fishman is the uh <laughs> i think it was skippy fish hook but yeah <laughs> skippy fish man's nice <laughs> Did I say Skippy Fishhook originally? <laughs> it's because all of them have man at the end. Skippy Fishhook is Don Cheadle's college roommate who moves in with him. Ah, oh, okay, yeah. Into the family home. And hilarity ensues. <laughs> yeah, I can much see it. that working. What did you have for your pitch, Will? Yours is so much nicer than mine. Because mine... <laughs> so Charlie Feynman's wife leaves him because he keeps starting arguments about not wanting to remodel the kitchen. He chooses to wipe his memories and starts acting like a teenager. Don Cheadle <laughs> tries to help him, but pushes him further. And he winds up in a mental institute filled with other wacky characters. He's like faked his way into it. Like instead of him actually... So like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but yeah. a comedy. Yep. And the it's wacky terrible. characters are 10 Second Tom. He's in there. Um, oh, good. Rob Schneider's playing an American man that's convinced himself that he's Mexican. Jonathan <laughs> and he's crossing his eyes. The tagline of the film would be, Sometimes it takes a little crazy to show you what sane really is. That's Adam Sandler's <laughs> unstable fable. He would befriend the other patients and then challenge the doctors either to a battle of the bands or a scooter race. Oh, that's really good. That's yeah. really good. Or a <laughs> basketball then, game. Oh yeah, that would be good. And then he wins, but then he finds out that he still has to stay in the hospital for legal reasons. <laughs> because like, why would he get out? He also falls in love with Zoe Deschanel, who um, believes that she's a time traveller. Oh, so she's in the hospital too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. What would be the payoff for yours? I told you, he wins, but then he finds out he still has to stay in the hospital, but he's got a love in there and Instead, he's, he's found a new wife. Wow. So we've really gone down two different avenues of this. So I yeah. want to develop yours a bit further and then we can talk about my bloody... Mine's more serious. <laughs> Quite a probably nice <laughs> film. So you've got Rob Schneider, 10 Second Tom and Jonathan Loughran. Anywhere mm-hmm. Peter Dante is coming in? Maybe he could play the same role from Fifty First Dates as well, where he's like the receptionist. He sneaks him in like CDs or something. So how would Don Cheadle see him? Would he be even in the film? Uh, no, only at the start. Oh, <laughs> no, he's not the start. In it anymore. <laughs> or he keeps visiting and stuff, maybe. And maybe how does he could he wipe keep his mind? <laughs> like... No, it's like he's not actually done it. He's just like uh, pretending. Right. It's not like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He's just like, it's basically this whole film is like a Happy Madison style of washing over something so it's like totally ignoring that there's actually mental health issues here and it's like instead it makes it comedy that he's given himself this mental disorder very badly mishandled I guess you can be Skippy Fishhook I'm keeping with Charlie Fire because your film's gross (laughs) I'll have Skippy Fishhook so yeah mine so Don Cheadle's in it but he's a really uptight, clean guy. Oh, okay, That's the yeah. new thing about him. Of course. He's really obsessively, like, he cleans everything, and he's still a dentist. The one aspect that's really changed to his dental surgery is that he has an assistant who is Rob Schneider, who is Mexican, and he doesn't speak English. Like that little and, drink in this. Yeah, and there's hilarity when Don Cheadle leaves the room when the patient's under, and Rob Schneider starts, like, falling over, and all, he drops <laughs> everything, and he ends up accidentally falling in between a pair of breasts. So oh, that's nice. A joke. He 
finds Charlie Feynman in a similar way, but he's homeless. So he invites him to live with him. He's just like a teenage guy. Like he acts like a teenager and he's... So maybe he's more like, um, that's my boy, Donnie. Yes, he's more like that. And he'll be doing that horrible voice. He's in the, his house and he's taking the piss and he's been really messy. So it's a bit of an odd couple situation. Mm-hmm. There's like a huge conflict and with the te- the kids as well. And then it only gets revealed at the near the end that the reason he's being like this in a planes, trains and automobiles twist that his wife's dead. No 9-11, no kids, nothing like that. Make it yeah. less heavy. Okay. I imagine the um, the scene at the end with Alan Covert as the BJ Novak lawyer, and then he gets hit in the nuts. That sounds good. And Blake Clark as a judge. But that's pretty much all I oh, had. Yeah. I feel yeah. like the payoff would be kind of a nice one where they help him get settled. He meets a... It may be pretty much the same one as the end of this film. <laughs> yeah, it sounds quite similar. You're keeping the resolution of the film that you didn't like. <laughs> you yeah, didn't but like it would be... In a comedy, it would yeah. probably work. <laughs> But yeah, that's all fine, man. It's quite nice. I know Adam Sandler's Unstable Fable isn't quite as nice, but... With Skippy Fishhook. I would find a way to get Tim Meadows in there for sure. Tim Meadows playing the same character he plays in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, where he's yeah, like a really, really stable, good. nice guy who's best friends with Adam Sandler in there, but he is a child-eating cannibal. <laughs> yeah, he's a cannibal. <laughs> yeah, that might be good. There would be like elements of it basically being a prison movie. So, so you could... Pretty much do Longest Yard style, like wacky side characters and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Terry Crews in it, and he's inex- He's so ripped, but he's really, really gentle, and he likes uh, knitting. Oh, yeah, that's quite nice, isn't and it? And he's really, like, cowardly, but he's huge. Oh, my <laughs> other idea as well, because this is just using every character out of all the other films as well, would be Ben Stiller's character from Happy Gilmore and Hubie Halloween. He'd be a good... Fantastic! Yeah, as one of the doctors. I love that. Also, can we have Danny DeVito in it? Just reprising his role from One Flew Over the Cookies. And Chief. The Chief as well. (laughs) (laughs) I think out of our two, I like yours more. Mine was more this exact film, but make it unique and Dupree. (laughs) I think yours would be a much nicer watch, whereas mine would be like a cringe watch. I'd rather a cringe watch if we've seen the last few weeks. To be Um, fair, Yumi and Dupree was pretty bad as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that was bad. I've never (laughs) seen it all the way through, I think. It's one of those that's always on ITV2. And I'd yeah. maybe watch the first watch the start. 15 minutes. See, that wasn't as tough of an episode to get through as we thought it would be. <laughs> Back on form next week. Uh, what will we watching next week? Next week, I believe that we are watching the film Pixels. From one extremely like grounded film based on real life tragedy, dealing with grief, etc. We're going total left field and we're going to be doing the film Pixels. <laughs> in which 80s video game characters come to life and start destroying a city. Again, this is video game as a theme. Yeah, it might be good. You never know. Maybe this is Uh, like them doing like a make my medicine of rain over me. (laughs) The video game thing. I don't know if Pixels is a happy Madison film. I think it is, surely. It looks like one. So neither of us have seen it, right? No, I've never seen it. It This one looks maybe one of the most fun. I've heard people saying it's fun and brainless and a bit silly, but... Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it, I think. Yeah, me too. But yeah, we'll talk more about that in our next episode, so come back for that. Where can people get in touch with us? They can get in touch with us by going to The Sandler Pit at Instagram or Twitter or sending us an email at thesandlerpit at gmail.com. And as always, thank you then to Joe Tyrone for your fantastic music. Thank you to Luke Thomas for your artwork. I can't wait to see what you rustle up for this. I was thinking about that. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Thank you, uh, Luke Terry, for editing these episodes and the trailers. Don't know how you do it. So it was a very big Sandler buy from me and a big Sandler buy from him. Mm-hmm.
How does that crazy girl want your penis? I don't have a family, Jackson. I know you don't. Who sent you here? Why are you here right now? Why are you here right now?